Ball and Play 2 presented by DraftKings is underway. Head over to our Warehouse Games channel to see all the action from Ball and Play. Get some skin in the game and download the DraftKings app right now. Don't forget to use our promo code WAREHOUSE. That's promo code WAREHOUSE only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. The New York football giants lost today, yesterday, uh, to the Arizona Cardinals in defeating devastating fashion without further ado let's bleed blue david uh no intro music today because it's just sad they don't deserve it it's just a sad sad day sad weekend i'm very very mad that i got as excited as i was justin You're currently talking to a a defeated, broken, battered, torn, lost, confused, cold, wet. I'm not so much nuts. I I dried off since I got home, but all of those first things I said, um, all those things, you're talking to that kind of a man at the moment. I am... Beside myself, you seem to be in a much better headspace than I am. Um, you you said that you've cooled off a little bit. I haven't. I am incredibly angry, uh, but I don't really know what I'm angry at just yet. Obviously, based on just you know naked eye observation, watching the game, you you can point out certain things you don't like and certain things that are worth talking about. But I. I think there are probably larger picture things that I need to to take a little bit of time with, but overall, what an unmitigated fucking disaster. Yeah. I, I, I don't often curse on here. I try, I try not to, I try to be good, but there's no other way to put it, you know, from opening snap, they were just dominated. And I said on the pregame show, that this was their opportunity to beat a football team that they were just better than. And they looked absolutely none of the part. None of of the guys who you needed to play well played well. I really don't think I could give you uh, more than two guys off the top of my head that I think played well. Um, It was a complete team disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This was the first game of the season that you can realistically say, you know, this is what we kind of envision this Giants team to be kind of moving forward. Like, you know, oh, we have Tate here. We have Engram here. We have Barkley here. We have Jones. We have the offensive line. Defense is kind of finding its rhythm a little bit here. This is kind of the rhythm and this is kind of the game that you envision to like, okay, you know, if the Giants are going to be a football team that is worth mentioning in any kind of relevancy, this is a football game that had to be had. And it was going to start here. Moving and then also moving into next week against the Lions as well. Those kind of two games were going to be, you know, starting the conversation of changing the narrative 
for this franchise and for this football team. And they didn't do it. Um, it, it, it's particularly frustrating. I'm just telling you where I am and where, you know, my head spaces and David, I'm sure you're the, you're, you know, you're the same way as also a fellow Yankee fan. Um, it, it, it did not help. And now God bless you. God love you. If you're a Met fan, God bless you. God love you. If you're not a baseball fan and you're just a Giants fan and you're listening to this podcast, but I am, I'm a pretty big Yankee fan. And this podcast, you know, this podcast's roots um, are in the Yankees. You know, we've had some really fun times talking about the Yankees uh, on this podcast. And one day, um, you know, the bleeding, what will be a bleeding blue media network, a bleeding blue media company, um, it will, we will get a Yankees podcast started again. Like that is something that is in the plans and I would definitely like to do, but right now it's just giants. So I still have a very strong attachment to the Yankees and just going from Saturday night where honestly, both games, both the Yankee game Saturday night and the giant game on Sunday kind of went in very similar heartbreaking fashions where you had, you accepted defeat. They were kind of like there, but you know, not really there, and you couldn't honestly envision a path and a way for either the Yankees or the Giants to win, like particularly the Giants on Sunday. Like I was sitting with my buddy Mike McKittrick, and I was like, Mike, even though we're even though this is a one score game, even though this is a 10 point game, I cannot realistically envision a path and a way that the Giants would realistically come back and win that football game. I couldn't just based off of how they were playing and how they were performing. So to have two games where we lose in such similar fashion, where it's like, holy shit, this team does not even deserve to be in the spot that they're in. Yet, after going for it, what, on a 4th and 13, a 4th and 16? And then, you know, running a draw on like a 3rd and 18 or whatever, and then going for it, when there was still, you know, way more than two minutes to go, it almost seemed like Pat Shermer was trying to correct the wrong that happened the week before in New England. But I think it's very different when in New England it was a 14-point game. So, I mean, it's like, ah, what do you have to lose? But in a three-point game, it's still a, it's still somewhat of a winnable game. So he goes for it, and then, you know, the Cardinals, you know, they wind up kicking the field goal, which good for the defense. The Giants had an opportunity to, after all that, David, they had an opportunity to go down and win the football game. They were down by six with two minutes to go. <laughs> you know, so this the 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 beauty of this Giants team is that even when they're playing incredibly, incredibly bad football in multiple spots, you still couldn't leave that game being like, oh, we just got our ass beat and we can just go home and we can just deal with it. No, they had to lose in fucking heartbreaking fashion. Fans like you and I had to sit through that shit fest of a game. David, I've been going to Giants games since 2007. Now, we were talking about this on the phone after the game. I have never been to a football game. Now, I think I've gone to around definitely over 55 regular season games. I, th I, I don't exactly know how many games I've been to. Um, I've kind of lost track, but 55 is a pretty solid sample around definitely over 60. If you include preseason, I have never, ever had it rain on me that hard. Never. I don't think I have either. Um, I, I was saying to you in that conversation, you know, I, I've been going since I was a little kid, so I'm sure there was a game here and there that was probably just as bad, if not worse. Uh, I do recall some games 
where I've been and it's been like consistent sleet, which is not pleasant. Um, yeah. The only game recently that rivals that was uh, last year against Tennessee. Uh, yeah, but that was cold. Just, I mean, that was just this wasn't cold. Um, even though I like got home and my mom's like, "Oh, your face is red from like I, 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 don't, I don't know, Justin. I don't I'm know pretty like, cold." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I certainly hopped in that. I certainly hopped in that shower to try to wash away that loss, and uh, it certainly my my feet, especially my feet, my feet especially felt pretty good. But uh, John Boy over the weekend. Um, after the Yankees lost, um, he mentioned on the Talking Yanks podcast about how he almost wishes he was a football fan because the Yankees played 171 games this year, 171 days and nights where they were on, and now it's just over. Well, at least for 170 of those games, David, you were able to say for the Yankees, there's at least a tomorrow. The tragic and fucked up thing about the football season, and especially games like this, where football, it is 16 games, you do spend a lot of time talking about it. Maybe not as much as, you know, a whole Yankee season, which is six months, but you spend so much time analyzing, so much time talking about so many different players. I mean, there's 53 guys on a roster, plus there's roster moves during the middle of the year. So you find yourself talking about, you know, between the preseason and training camp, you find yourself talking about almost a hundred different players during the course of an, of an entire season. And there's only 16 games. There's only 16. And if you're a team like the New York football giants, like they've been basically since 2017, which granted isn't the longest time, but 2016 was an exception. Basically since 2012, it's been, we have a window of about eight games of relevancy and then the rest, the second half of the season is just shit. And you don't even, you barely even want to watch sometimes. And that sucks. And this game had the potential where if it's a win, especially when you have Philly and Dallas playing right now as we speak, if you win, it has the potential to mean something. And when you lose, you feel like you're right back in the same fucking rut that you've been the last couple of years. And I'm not saying that, oh, we were expected to do something this year, but it still fucking sucks. And don't deny that. Just because we weren't expected to do anything this year. I'm done for now. Okay. <laughs> my my comments are going to be brief. I want to go back to something you said um, about, and I'm sure in time, you know, as the week goes on, this this point will become more, I'll accept this point a little bit more. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see a lot of people talking about it. I'm sure, but the the optimistic end of of this uh, could can very easily be your point about all all things considered. They played about as bad a football game as you could expect for three quarters, and they found themselves in a position where on the last drive, if you can make some things happen, you have a chance to go in for a game-winning score. And the optimistic side of me can say, okay, well, this is a young team led by a young quarterback. Um, you know, you, you by, by far didn't have your best team on the field there. You, you, know, you, you had your team, but they weren't playing at, at, their t- at any kind of peak performance. And you still you you gave your chance you gave yourself a chance to win the football game, and you know Justin, 
you and I, anybody who listens to this podcast knows that generally speaking, as a, as a general rule, I'm probably more of an optimist than you are. You're pro- you, you probably are a little bit more of a pessimist when it comes to this team. You're not getting it from me. You're, you're not getting the optimism. Oh, no, I'm the same way right now. Until this unit shows me something of substance, because for basically since Saquon was out, it was, okay, we'll just wait. You know, anything that happens when he's out is great, but we have to wait and see what happens. But now that this unit is back, and especially if they they looked the way that they the way that they look today, and they didn't show us jack shit. Oh, the there there is no expectation now. And today, David, like literally the the conditions for the Giants, they were in prime position to put up a winning effort. The fact that the Cardinals spread the field, they run these three wide receiver sets, these four wide receiver sets, and they spread the field. And they were basically almost limited to solely running the football, which they were, and they were very effective while doing it. Granted, I thought the Giants' run defense was okay. It's just that when they allowed those big runs, they came in 20-yard chunks. So, tough. Sucks. But the Giants had every opportunity today to try and establish a running game, to try and utilize running formations more, utilize Saquon Barkley more, and they didn't. They couldn't get him going. Saquon Barkley decided to run backwards at multiple points this game, forgetting how to be a fucking NFL running back. He decided to fucking whiff on blocks multiple times this game, particularly one to Chandler Jones, which was a drive killer, drive killer, and got Daniel Jones killed. Like, Saquon Barkley had probably his worst game as a pro, and that's saying something, where he didn't even have that bad of a game, I guess, in retrospect, but in his NFL career, today was his worst game because he, multiple points, killed two separate drives. Um, It's funny. I was, I was in the bathroom at one point during the game, and, you know, they've got, the, they've got Bob Papa and Carl Banks' call live in the, in the bathroom when you go in, and... This was a team, the Cardinals defense had, I believe, six sacks total on the year coming into this game. They had yet to recover a fumble. They had yet to force an interception. Chandler Jones had three sacks today by himself. They had an interception. They had two fumble recoveries. It, it appears to me, and, and I love this team. I, I really do. I love a lot of the guys on this team. But I'm really, really tired of watching teams come into MetLife Stadium and use us as their get-right game for whatever unit of their team has been lacking. We become yeah. their get-right game, and right. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's just roster construction. I can't believe it is. I can't believe it's the roster. I, you cannot tell me when you look at the, some of the players this team's got on defense, some of the players this team's got on the offense. You can't possibly tell me that it's a matter of they just don't have the guys. That's bullshit. That that's that's hiding from hiding from the real the real issues. And the real issues are you, you're not the, these guys just aren't they're not coached up. It, it appears it, you know it seems to me that every single you know it. Whatever whatever an opposing defense does, Pat Shermer, it's as if Pat Shermer's never seen it before. It's as if the Giants' offense has never seen it before. 
they're not prepared for it. They're not ready to throw. I've been talking for the last couple of weeks about throwing counter punches. You're going to get punched. You know, you're a young team. You're going to take your lumps. you got a lot of young guys, specifically your quarterback's a rookie. You're going to take some punches. How do you throw? What do you throw back? Do you fold? Do you, do you swing and miss? Do you swing and connect? And at least the last couple of the last couple of weeks, I've gotten the feeling that they get punched in the mouth, but they swing and they connect. And and they're they they don't just roll over. At the very least, they're giving it they they're giving it their all. I don't think the team didn't come out with effort. I think they came out with plenty of effort. That's not an issue. Um, yeah, they especially come out with effort once you know what's becoming the Giants' way is allowing you know. 14 points, 17 points in the case of today, and then deciding that we want to play football. You know, that's that's the fucking Giants way now. You're you're getting me and and to, to podcast listeners, I apologize if I'm not if I'm not giving you a hell of a lot right now. But I really just, I cannot wrap my head around how bad that was. And like I said, I'm I'm more the optimist on here, I think. Generally speaking, and maybe that'll come out in me a couple a couple of days from now as we get nearer Detroit. But really, from top to bottom, you you can look at it and you can say that was his worst game of the year. That was his game worst game as a Giant. Nate Solder played like garbage. Offensive line played like garbage. Saquon Barkley had I won't say he played like garbage. He had a rough game. His his weakest game was a Giant. Daniel Jones, I'll say it, played like garbage. Now, does that mean he's a bust and the sky's falling? Of course not. You, it's you're it's, you're allowed to say Daniel Jones had his no. worst game of his rookie season, and it will get better. It'll get better. I I know that. I'm calling it what it is. The only the only bright spot on the offense today was Golden Tate, and he was a pretty big bright spot. He played really really well. Made a lot of, made a lot of nice catches. Evan Ingram, garbage. Let's see what who else who else can we pick out that we know was garbage? Grant Haley continued to be garbage. No, I mean Grant Haley actually made some good plays in the run game. You and this Grant Haley with he you had some, and, he had this some Grant nice Haley with the run game thing, Justin. It's wearing on me. It's I'm telling you, I'm me. telling you what he does it's well. You can't you can't ignore what he does well. You can't. But you also, and that's but you also can't there. ignore the what he lacks and and I need complete football players on the team. We we this team they're not good enough in other positions to have guys who are good at one thing. David, can we can we move to I want to make one more point about Daniel Jones and then I want to talk about Shermer because we've gone almost 20 minutes um and we haven't even touched on Shermer and I guarantee you that's why people Shermer's are here. a fucking asshole. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, so we'll I want to talk about Daniel Jones. Um I don't think there's been overreaction to Daniel Jones. No, I don't think so. But no, and I, and I'm proud of people. I'm very proud of people because this is exactly what, you know, I wanted. I will say myself since you were definitely more of the more of the Eli fan for a longer period of time, but this is what I have wanted for years. This time. And you have to stay patient through these times. These mistakes are fixable. It's not like we're watching a guy who can't throw the ball, who can't deliver balls in the tight areas. Now, David, let's also just include this. This is kind of a mix between coaching and Daniel Jones putting the ball in tight areas. 
why, and this is also just me complaining as well, how many times do we see broken coverages against the Giants, right? Right. Where the fuck are broken coverages whenever we're, whenever we are on offense? Why is everything you know, why is everything always in such tight tight fucking windows against us? How come nobody's ever just open? That's a thing that that's a thing in the NFL where guys are just open. Guys just find a spot in a zone. Now Golden Tate did a hell of a fucking job on showing why he's the league leader in yards after catch today. But he had to do it with being a fucking magician. Juking around guys, moving moving well after catching the ball. It's not like he was just open and then he was running. Even on fucking screen passes, David, where plays are designed to get players into space. Our guys are never open where they can move with the ball after they get it. Never. And why is that? I don't know. I'm not gonna go on and I'm not gonna go on to say, well, that's coaching and Pat Shermer sucks and this scheme sucks. You can say that, sure. Have that belief. But I'm just not gonna do it because I'm not gonna sit here and tell you like I know the answers. Because I don't know the answers. But think of how frustrating that is, not just for us fans, but think of how frustrating that must be for fucking Daniel Jones, who is ridiculed when he's making these boneheaded decisions, which they are. They're boneheaded, especially his first interception, which was a third and long, you know. I guess, you know, you want to credit Eli Manning somewhere. Eli Manning would just check the ball down and then just take the punt. Daniel Jones needs to learn how to do that every once in a while. But then Daniel Jones, he has the balls to go out there and make an incredible throw on that first touchdown pass to Rhett Ellison. And we praise him for that. So you have to take the good with the bad on Daniel Jones. But really, David, that's my question. Like, why the fuck do the Giants never get broken coverages whenever we're on offense? Why? I completely, It's funny. I was thinking the exact same thing. Uh, there was a play. There was a, a specific play I remember. Um, it was, I think it went for a first down. It went to Red Ellison. I think it was like his, sec- his other catch of the game. It was not nothing huge. It was just a normal catch. But... I remember like thinking to myself, every single ball that Daniel Jones throws is a tight window. Yeah. Everything is a tight window. That nobody is just open, like you said. And the the real the real kick in the teeth for Daniel Jones is the times he does get guys open, they drop the they drop the damn football. Looking at you, Evan Ingram. Yeah. It, it's I agree with you. And and I I will go a step further further than you and say, and that's kind of this is kind of what I was getting at uh, earlier when I was saying you can't possibly tell me with all these guys that we just are consistently a team's get right game. I'll take it a step further than you, Justin, and I'll say it. It's got to be to a certain extent coaching. I'm not saying it's all coaching, but Dave Gettleman has not put together a bad football team on the offensive side of the ball. He just hasn't. They are not weak, but Guys just don't get open. These are guys. Golden Tate has gotten open everywhere he's ever gone. He's been on a lot of different football teams, and he has always been the guy to get in space. He finds he finds soft spots in zones. He just sits down in zones. He's always open. That's what. That's where he's made his career. He he gets open and he runs. At, he runs after he catches the ball. 
I, I don't I don't get it. I, I am completely with you on that. And I think going forward, you and I need to talk about that a lot more because I think that lets you in a little bit more to the lack of creativity that we're seeing. This was by far the least creative game plan from an offensive standpoint I've seen all year. David, I really don't think either of us are smart enough to really, even if we look at the All-22 and even if we sit down literally an entire day with the All-22 film, I don't know if any of us are smart enough to say, "Oh yeah, this was a, this was a creative, this was a good game plan." I'm talking from a, from a perspective of I know when they're going to goddamn run the ball every single time they're about to run the ball. I can call it. An opposing defense when they're game planning for an opposing team watches a hell of a lot more than I do. So if I can sit up there and say second and 4, second and 8, second and 10, doesn't matter. It's second down. And we just pulled our we just pulled a receiver over. We motion we motioned a receiver over. Uh he set up behind he's he's he set up behind the ta- the tight end and tackle. This is gonna be an off tackle right uh run to the left. And it is every goddamn time. I know it. Everybody knows it. And we wonder why we just keep slamming ourselves into the concrete wall. It's not gonna make it's not gonna change. What's funny is once a game, I'm pretty sure once a game consistently this season, we've gotten one of those um, like jet action, like jet sweeps from a wide receiver where he, he sprints from from his wide out spot and takes a direct handoff from Daniel Jones. We didn't even see that today. Those have been effective. It's only it's only not effective when you try to run it a second time. Right. But we didn't even we didn't see that. There was there wasn't a single screen pass called. I'm not saying they're good at running screen passes, but give it a shot. At this point, give it a shot. Do something. The ball didn't go downfield. I mean, it did. There, I, I'm it, top of my head. I'm thinking there's a deep pass to Evan Ingram that he dropped. Elson touchdown to Ellison, and there was a deep ball to Tate on the first drive of the game. On the first offensive drive of the game. You know, we we already said that Daniel Jones didn't play that well. He's holding on to the ball too long. He's fumbling the ball. He's got poor ball security. All right, so this is so this is where the conversation turns. This is where the conversation turns. Now, I have been a heavy, heavy critic of Pat Shermer in terms of his lack of situational awareness. I made a six-minute video on YouTube. And then I basically split it up into three different parts on Twitter last week. The videos didn't do that well. Guarantee if I fucking tweet them out this week, hopefully it's a different story. But if you look up my name on YouTube, Justin Pennick, and you'll find the Bleeding Blue YouTube channel, which does not have that many subscribers. It's not that active. I basically just kind of throw videos on there whenever I can. Also, if you go to the Bleeding Blue website, the video's on there too. It's a six-minute video analyzing Pat Shermer's lack of situational awareness, particularly the last two weeks against Minnesota and New England. David, this week, I've learned nothing new about Pat Shermer. I've learned nothing new. Now, if the season were to end tomorrow, let's just say, you know, this is the end of the season. There's no more games left. And you were to tell me that Pat Shermer deserves to be fired. I realistically could not give you any good reason why you're wrong. However, for this particular game, there are scapegoats. There are multiple scapegoats, David, because if you talk about Aldrich Rosas, 
makes that field goal. You're talking about Evan Ingram catches some passes. You're talking about this defense doesn't allow a third and 11 draw play to be converted for a first down. You're talking about Saquon Barkley decides to not run backwards and take us out of drives at multiple points today. You're talking about, you know, one turnover that Daniel Jones doesn't have on a single drive, which multiple of those turnovers, I believe, resulted in 14 points for the Cardinals at some at some points in this game. You're talking about all that, David, and, you know, we're we're having a podcast either, you know, today celebrating our win or we don't even feel like we need to have a podcast and then we're just going to record on Wednesday and celebrate then. So not saying that Pat Shermer is absolved from anything, because realistically, I learned nothing new about Pat Shermer today. I still cannot tell you one thing, realistically, that Pat Shermer does well as a head coach. I can tell you the things that he can do well and the things that we hope he can do well. But that's about it. That doesn't mean that I think he should be fired. But I'll tell you what, David, he is well on his way. Especially if we continue to see performances like this with Engram, with Tate, with Barkley on the field. Even though we thought that his job may be safe this year, if these performances keep up where he is very stubborn in his ways, where he doesn't want to try anything new, where, like, you, I mean, I guess, you know, we can go this way, like you said, he's not getting creative, and it's just the same thing over and over and over again. He may be out. I'm honestly dying to know what John Mara is thinking. I'm dying to know. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm not saying like, oh, John Mara, blah, 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 blah. I'm saying that I'm honestly dying to think what he is thinking about today's game because is he is he taking this game as, oh, yeah, all of these things kind of happened that went against Shermer and we should have won this football game? Or is he taking this as, okay, Shermer just shows again between going forward on fourth down, running the draw on third down, which, by the way, it was an audible. That was an audible. Daniel Jones apparently killed that play at the line of scrimmage and that was an audible. So that was not a designed, that wasn't necessarily the first play that was called on that third down before the two-minute warning. That actually might make me more unhappy. There were a few times where Daniel Jones was killing plays at the line of scrimmage today. There, I mean, there's been a few times where he's done that just throughout his, you know, his, what is this? This is his fifth, yeah, this, is, this was his fifth game today. Also, the fact that why is he continuing to challenge pass interference calls i don't know and he's continuing to waste timeouts why did he call that timeout with a little less than four minutes to go when that timeout would have been extremely valuable especially if you got the ball back with you know where you're down six around the two minute warning that third timeout would have been so valuable to have um what else what else on the top of my brain at some point it wasn't like the giants had to play the game of football like they did against Tampa Bay, where they had to pass the ball. Also, you couldn't just pass the ball every single fucking time because it was pouring. So why are we abandoning 12 personnel and 21 personnel after the first quarter just because we're down by multiple scores? Like, I get it. If you're down by multiple scores, you got to pass the ball, run out of 11 personnel. But if you have the game, if you have the game within four points, three points, seven points, in the pouring rain, David, you Gotta put a fucking fullback in there. If Saquon Barkley is having trouble running the ball efficiently, 
You gotta put a fucking fullback in there. Well, it doesn't help. And again, that you know, this this isn't this isn't new. This is not new. It doesn't help <laughs> that it seems like every time Saquon Barkley got past the first level defenders, somebody held on the offensive line. What a four! I think four different holding calls today. Uh, top of my head, I know that I know Remmers, Solder, and Hernandez all had one. And it's, you know, it's just, we can go down, we can go down the list of them. There's a laundry list of things that we we can say were, were issues today. And I, and I think at the top of it sits Pat Shermer, because this is now, this is a, this is a trend. It's consistent. It's, um, yeah. it's the same, it's the same problems rearing its, their ugly heads week in and week out. And with these kinds of problems, you know, the, the situational awareness problems for Shermer, the, the time management, play calling, questionable play calling at times, these things lose you football games. And against a team like the Cardinals, it will it'll make you feel like we were still so close. Against a team like Green Bay or Chicago or probably Detroit next week, that's what go that's what turns the game into a blowout. Are, are these kinds of things. So for Shermer, it's those issues. And you look at the, this, this team is turning the ball over like nobody's business. And that's not just Daniel Jones because, you know, when when there was no Saquon, the running backs turning the ball over. But Daniel Jones needs to get better at it, and he will. So, yeah, his, his pocket awareness could be better. It's probably it's probably his weakest weakest quarterback attribute at the moment and it's it'll hold him back for a long time but that's something that held Eli Manning back for a long time too right it's actually scary how similar these guys are because the throws that they make they can make your head scratch in a way where it's like how the fuck did he make that throw and then you can make your head scratch in the way that makes you say why the fuck did he even attempt that throw It's it's honestly scary. It's scary how similar the beginning parts of their career. I think now, first of all, let me let me even just say now I was what was I six years old when Eli Manning was a rookie. So I'm talking, you know, more more or less maybe oh five, oh six, oh seven territory where Eli Manning actually started to maybe make more advanced throws. Daniel Jones is making way more advanced throws at the NFL level than Eli Manning was his rookie year. That's. Probably fair. I mean, I was only nine. I agree with you. When you look at a lot of throws Daniel Jones makes, it's throws that Eli would make when he was at his in his prime. And that's not to say that Daniel Jones is going to be a yeah. better quarterback than Eli. That's just saying this is a guy who can really make NFL throws at a high level. He can he can play in the NFL at a very high level. He's just not there. Not there yet. Right. It's it's positive. Again, we mentioned last week how we kind of have to talk about this rookie season as almost if it's if it's the preseason again. You're seeing positive signs. You're seeing positive trends within Jones. Um, It's just a matter of is Mara is Gettleman going to be patient enough? And basically, how are they interpreting the game? Like what? How are they taking what are they taking from this game? You know, behind closed doors, because even, you know, whatever they say publicly, you know, especially during the bye week, I think that's probably going to be the next time that we hear from both of them. Definitely Gettleman. But how are they behind closed doors interpreting these games? Are they interpreting these games as, you know, 
Pat Pat Shermer's making these decisions, and for somebody that's coached probably over fifty NFL games at this point, should not be making these situational awareness mistakes. Or are they giving him a pass because the teams are still in winnable games, and it's just a matter of X, Y, and Z going wrong, X, Y, and Z dropping a pass, Alger Grossas missing a field goal here and there, and blah 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 blah. Um, it's just a matter of how are they interpreting these games. And I don't know. I'm not there. And you're not there if you're listening and if you're complaining. And if you want to hear us say that Shermer should be fired, um, sorry, we're not going to give you that. Yet. I, I'm not typically a guy that likes to call for people's jobs because I wouldn't like if somebody did that to me. Like, you know what I, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's a good thing, you know, you no matter what job you you end up getting, something tells me it will not pay the same way that Pat Shermer's job will. And right. look at it this way. Pat Shermer's ability to do his job correctly directly correlates to how I spend my money and how a whole lot of people spend a whole lot of money for a certain guy named John Mara who really likes his money. So I think, you know, I, I, I'm in the camp of people who believe I have every right to call for someone's job or to question somebody's salary or to, I get, I get the people who say, you know, I don't like to talk about other people's jobs or other people's money. But when you're, when you're asking me to walk, to, to walk in and spend as much money as you're going to ask me to spend and sit there in the rain and, and support consistently, Justin, do you understand how, how, how depressed I am now that I'm driving to, to Detroit this Friday? Yeah, that's tough. But it's what it's what we do. So because of that, I you need to, you know, everybody on that team needs to be held accountable to a certain extent. And today was completely unacceptable. And I and you know, from from an analytical standpoint, Justin, you and I are, I think are correct in saying it was bad. It'll probably get better. You know, certain players will get better. Saquon Barkley will not have that bad a game probably again this year. Evan Ingram probably won't only have one catch for six yards. There, there are still reasons to say it'll be okay. Aldrick Rosas doesn't miss kicks like that often. There was a lot of bad things going going wrong at the same time. That being said, the trends that we see are Pat Shermer. There are The consistent issues are what worry me, and the consistent issues seem to come from more of the play-calling time management, and turnover standpoint. Daniel Jones needs to get better in the pocket, but there are parts of this that are coaching as well. Game plan can help that as well. Leave a guy in the block. Why are we going five wide? When it's a third and four and you have not been able to protect Daniel Jones all day, don't get that creative. Just hand the ball to him. Go back and watch that six-minute video that I put on YouTube and that I put throughout Twitter. I'll probably be wind up be posting all of it again. Um, because that's, like I said, that's nothing new though, David. That's nothing new. Pat Shermer passing it on third and short when that's exactly the time that you should be running the ball is nothing new. Going five wide on a third down is nothing new. Not being effective in the red zone, that's nothing new. Not sustaining drives, that's nothing new. 
Being inefficient and ineffective on third down, that's nothing new. Finding yourself in third and long situations, what, like for today, I should, I wish I would have read this stat earlier, eight of, the, eight of the 12 Giants third down situations came from nine or more yards. That's nothing new. So it's like, this, you shouldn't, it's not, I'm not saying you shouldn't be surprised, but I'm like not fully overreacting to this because it's like, well, it's not new. Well, I think to that exact point, you're right. It is nothing new. And that's what I'm saying is there are a whole lot of things that went wrong with this game, but a lot of them are new. A lot of them really did seem to be a really, a really bad game that a lot of guys had a bad game on the same day. Because this is the first time that you actually had some sort of tangible expectations and it was the same thing, which is exactly the point that I had in the Saquon Barkley Pat Shermer blog this week on the Bleeding Blue website. I said Pat Shermer has more pressure now than ever to fix this shit because of the fact that especially Barkley was back. And guess what? David, I'm going to bring this up at the end, and then we're going to end it here because I don't want to get into this conversation. I really don't. I'm going to introduce it now because I know that a lot of people have probably logged off by now because that's how podcasts work. A lot of people listen towards the beginning and the middle, and then they log off towards the end. If you are still here, we really know, appreciate you. Yeah, we, we yeah we really appreciate you because you're, you're lovely people. And if you know me, you probably know where I'm going to go with this. The value of a running back... You can have the best fucking running back in the world. What good is it when you go down 14-0, 17-0 in a game, and in a passing league that is centered around throwing the football and finding different ways to move the ball, it's fine and dandy that Saquon Barkley can average four and five yards per carry, but God forbid he has a few plays where, like today, you go, yeesh, you're fucking done. What, and you see the value of a running back when Saquon Barkley isn't there. But even when he's on the field, David, what good is it doing for this football team? Besides the fact that your fantasy teams look good, besides the fact that he has highlight plays and, it, and, he, looks, and he looks good and it looks nice, it's not going to result in wins because running backs aren't important. And that's it. That's my final thought. Yeah, we really shouldn't get into that conversation because I I, I deeply disagree. Um, and, and I think maybe that's a good point. Maybe that's a good place for us to uh, go on uh, Wednesday. Yeah. I don't even know if I want to talk about it on Wednesday because I, it's, it's, it's not a big enough sample size yet. Like if this continues, David, I am going to go full on onslaught where – I will argue this until I am dead or somebody kills me because this, of how this annoying will, this I will, will be, be the hill you die on. If that's the case, this will I, this actually physically will be the hill that I die on. If this continues this season, if Saquon Barkley continues to make flashy plays, blah, 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 blah. And he continues to look nice and he continues to, you know, people buy his Jersey and yell his name, but it continues in losses. I w- this will be the hill that I actually will die on because there is so much more 
around him that is so much more valuable that has been ignored for years. And that's all that I have to say. Uh, I, I've basically... Oh, look at that. Michael Gallup. Or is that Amari, it's Amari Cooper? Um, big play from Amari Cooper. I need Amari Cooper to not do anything. I need... Uh, I don't know, man. I need to go to bed. That's what I need. Um, essentially, I, I've, I've said everything that I wanted to say um, so far. Like I said, I haven't I haven't done a lot of a lot of even thinking about the game. Um, so Wednesday, I'll, I'll come a little more prepared to talk about something a little bit more uh, technical and actually analyze it. But um, to me. If you got to cut somebody's head off for this game, I'm cutting Pat Shermer's head off for this game. It was uninspired. From the very, very beginning, it was uninspired. Uh, really right. quick, shout out Michael Thomas. I want Michael Thomas to to get some love. because Yeah, he's going to he's gonna be getting a game ball on Wednesday. Yeah, because he even makes consistently makes some decent plays like on defense. He had a he had a pump block. Oh yeah, I thought you. Yeah, yes. But but the pump block. Yeah, yes. I mean, this is the guy. This is the guy who made the Pro Bowl last year as a special teamer. I mean, he's he's that is that's his calling card by far. But he he's even been been decent on defense. I appreciate Michael Thomas. He he plays well. He's a smart guy. He knows where to be at all times, and I appreciate that. Yeah. It's kind of like a revival year for him because last year it was kind of like yeesh when he was at strong safety once Collins was out. But you you kind of like this role that he's playing with Peppers as like that money backer. All right, we'll we'll get we'll get more into that on Wednesday. Um, uh, keep on bleeding blue. Um, thanks for tuning in and sticking around for this episode. That was a, of course, as always, it's a lot longer than we expect. But you want to know what? I think long. I think some people like long stuff because it kind of gets you through your day, and you blink, the episode's over. And then before you know it, it's three o'clock, it's five o'clock, and it's time for you to go home. So there you go. Uh, You'll hear from us whenever you hear from us, and uh, we will continue to be sad and depressed about all things sports-related until until the next week, until we do it all over again. So uh, peace out. Keep on bleeding blue. Go Giants, go Giants, go Giants. And David. I mean, at this point, if you want to stay beautiful, go ahead. Um, If you don't, you would rather just sit cry and not take a shower and eat ice cream all day. Do that too. I don't care. Have a good night. I think people should sit in the rain. Yes. Like in like for people that people that didn't go to the game, I think people should just sit in the rain for three and a half hours in solidarity with us. I appreciate that. Yeah. I like that. Just sit outside their house. So, so just sit outside your house in the rain for three and a half hours and listen to bleeding blue and give us a five-star rating in the Apple Podcast. Or if you were in, at the game and you did sit in the rain, uh, reward yourself by not sitting in the rain. Sit in your house. Don't take a shower. and just. But still give us a five-star rating. Eat, eat all day because you deserve it. You're a great person. And you still have value, as do running backs. Ball and Play 2 presented by DraftKings is underway. Head over to our Warehouse Games channel to see all the action from Ball and Play. Get some skin in the game and download the DraftKings app right now. Don't forget to use our promo code WAREHOUSE. That's promo code WAREHOUSE only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours.